All right, so Joel Jackard, thanks for coming on. Thanks, buddy. Awesome, glad to have you. So today we got Joel, he is the co-owner of Halifax BJJ and also the co-owner of Finesse Brand Jiu-Jitsu Clothing. Mm -hmm. So uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, we just kind of started off and kind of hear about kind of your journey into Jiu-Jitsu. And uh, I mean, one of the biggest things for me, I mean, we go way back, you know, we're both from Yarmouth. We kind of knew each other a little bit, yeah. but like, you know, more acquaintances, friends of friends, circles. Um, and, you know, jujitsu has always been an interest of mine um, earlier on, but you know, there's always that fear of getting started. Mm -hmm. So tell us and like the viewers, the listeners, like when did jujitsu become something for Joel Jackard? When did you see that <laughs> become your activity? Yeah, so uh, I grew up in Yarmouth. I played basketball and soccer my whole life. That was what I liked to do. But uh, <clears throat> growing up in a small town and didn't have the work ethic I had in my adult years, I wish I did because maybe I could have been better at those sports and continued to play after high school. But fortunately, I couldn't. And I remember I was in college doing carpentry actually and that summer i did my uh work term and these guys man work hard and i'm i was lazy 18 year old i was 260 pounds swinging a hammer sweating getting gassed out and i'm just like i remember thinking like man is this it is this my life like i'm just gonna you know work nine to five monday to friday doing something i don't love just to make money and whatever and um uh, basically I was like no like what what do you do and and I love to play sports I was so competitive my whole life and just to not have it no more it was like something was missing and uh, UFC became really popular so I graduated high school in 2006 so the ultimate fighter just happened so yeah. unfortunately I'm one of those people who jumped on the bandwagon the ultimate fighter bandwagon and um, but and being in Yarmouth your resources are very limited so I actually started training in 2007 with this, he was like a JKD guy, Jeet Kune Do or whatever, okay. but, he, but because of MMA's popularity, he started to say, oh, I do MMA, I do it all, and you don't know no better, so I started going to this guy, and he was teaching some bullshit, but you don't know no better, but looking back now, he wasn't anything to do with any of this stuff but uh i went to a jiu-jitsu tournament in 2007 and i did it man i weighed 258 and uh the best part about the tournament i ran into some guys from yarmouth and i was just like what the where do you guys train like you they're like yeah we just do jiu-jitsu on our own it was a uh, i think there was three of them and they trained in their buddy's spare bedroom because they got an old wrestling mat from maple grove that they just donated to them so literally i was like when do you guys train and they're like we're training tomorrow night this is on saturday april 27th april 28th i went there that night you remember the date i remember the date <laughs> man i remember the date and um that was my first real i guess jujitsu class is real you know as it got back in the Armouth and right. uh, yeah so we started training there we did three days a week and then soon after a boxing gym opened up in Yarmouth and I started doing that on Tuesdays and Thursdays so I was doing jiu-jitsu Sundays or no Sunday Tuesday Thursday and then boxing Monday Wednesday Friday and um, the following November I went to another tournament I weighed 209 so I lost what's that I don't know 30 pounds 30 29 pounds or whatever it ends up being my math ain't great right now but 
But then that's how I started training with them guys. And then uh, eventually, 2008, August, I had to go to... Uh, I changed my career path too, actually. Because once I started training jiu-jitsu and stuff, I ended up switching career paths and I took corrections. I had to do a year of human services at Yarmouth. And then I had to do my second year of corrections in Churro. So luckily, I moved to Churro. And uh, and I went early because I knew there was a good kickboxing gym there, uh, Marmac Athletics. Yep. So I met uh, Mickey Marshall, who was probably one of the best people I could have met that early on in my career. He, he saved me from, you know, jumping in the pro MMA fights way too early. He talked some sense into me, do some amateur stuff, keep doing jiu-jitsu tournaments because I was young. And I'm so glad I did that because, you know, you don't know any better. People will let you fight pro pretty easy around here, and especially back then. Mm-hmm. So, um that's how it all started. Uh, yeah, just training in a spare bedroom. A few guys, we were just training off YouTube. And for the OGs out there, we'll remember Submission 101, where Buddy would wear like the red gi pants and the, the no gi top, and they would have techniques on there. So that's how we were learning. And it's funny, it, you know, obviously it wasn't great training, but after you take what you can get sometimes. And looking back, it's like, damn, I missed a lot of the basics because we were we were self-taught. We were looking at the cool stuff. And, you know, if I could go back, I would just focus on the fundamentals a lot. Yeah, man. I mean, it's kind of one of those things. It's like you don't know what you don't know. And like we were just chatting before the podcast. It's like, you know, we have a variety of classes at the gym now. Mm. You know, some no-gi, some gi, some guys pick one over the other where I would rather train versus not. So, you know, it's really, you know, you can cry about the quality, but yeah, you got to jump in sometimes. And like you say, Yarmouth, I mean, I know just as well as anyone, cause I grew up down Argyle. Yeah. yeah. Talk about lack of resources and like recreational activities. Yeah. You know, we'd have to go to Yarmouth to get up to do anything, hockey, soccer, you know, right. we had a baseball field, soccer fields, but like a lot of the teams would have to, We'd have to go up and play you guys or right. local other local schools. Like, but that'd still be a 20, 30, 40 minute drive. So. Yeah, a lot more effort. Yeah, man. So that's awesome. So how long have you kind of, have you been training total? Since two thousand seven. Since I started, and uh, the goal early on was to do MMA. Like that was it. I only did jujitsu because I was like, oh, this is what you got to do. Right. Right. You can't. This is a part of the puzzle. Yeah, you. and then um. I think it was like 2009, I got my first amateur kickboxing match. It was March 28, 2009, I remember that too, uh, in Churro. Um, I just remember being scared, man, scared as hell. So I was fighting out of Churro, it was the first fight of the night, and I'll never forget, I was warming up, and the way the warm-up area was, you could watch your opponent warming up, and it was so weird, and... I remember just being like, looking, seeing an exit door, and I was like, man, if I could just go... I would. Yeah. I would not do this fight, but you know, you once the music hit, you got to walk out to your own music, and uh, the crowd went crazy. The first fight, and I was representing Churro. It was good, man. It was good. I'm thankful for that, um, and I was lucky to win. And then uh, I was focusing a lot on kickboxing in 2008, nine, and ten. And I did a. It's hard to get fights around here unless you're willing to travel, and I didn't really have the money back then to travel, right. so. You, you get all kinds of fights lined up. They pull through the whole card, pull through, just, you know, you'd get injured. And so I ended up just doing, like, uh, one kickboxing fight a year. And in between, I was doing a bunch of jiu-jitsu tournaments. And then um, I ended up in Halifax. Or, sorry, no, I went from Churro to Toronto for the summer. I lived in Toronto. I trained up there. And then I came back to Churro for the winter, 
did a kickbox bite, went back to Toronto for the summer, and then came back home and made a home in Halifax, and I started training at Titan soon after. And um, still with the goal of doing MMA and stuff, mm -hmm. had like a knee injury, so I was focusing a lot on jiu-jitsu. Tried to get a couple MMA fights and they just never came to fruition. And I think it was like 2013. I'm just like, man, f this shit, man. I'm yeah. done. I'm done. Uh, I just want to do jujitsu. And what really burned my ass coming up was uh, I did the three kickboxing fights and I won. I won them all. I didn't like fight anybody crazy or anything like that. But I was lucky enough to win. But I didn't even care. I just wanted to win jiu-jitsu tournaments, and I couldn't. I was never, I'd get like silver or bronze sometimes. And I got like a golden beginner, but I could never win the jiu-jitsu stuff. And it always killed me because I didn't even care about kickboxing. I didn't like it. I didn't enjoy it. The only thing that made it enjoyable was having an amazing coach, Mickey, and an awesome team at Merrimack. And it was a community, and it was fun. And, you know, you want to be there to help the other guys, too. But I never actually enjoyed it like I loved jujitsu. It was like so when I first started, it was like to fight. But then it like man, this is what I love. I love jujitsu. I loved going, and uh, yeah, 2013. I'm just like man, frigate. I'm gonna just focus on jujitsu, and uh, I'd still go like box with some of the boxers once in a while. Just if they had a fight, I'd just be an extra body. But uh, the focus has been jujitsu for the last damn ten years. <laughs> it's 2023, but. Doesn't it? So I mean, I've been training with you guys for almost five years now. Yeah, that's and I started it as a, didn't know anything white belt. I already got my purple? second degree purple belt. There you so go. It's been quite a journey. That's it, man. That's what it's about. Um, so yeah, that was kind of how I got to do just jujitsu, and then it was like, let's get good at jujitsu or try to. So man, you're like the Yarmouth Craig Jones. Only a second. <laughs> Uh, for anybody push. that doesn't know, Craig Jones one of the top jiu-jitsu guys in the world, so it's no no joke. <laughs> yeah, the Yarmouth uh, Big Fish Small Pond. That's it, right? Yeah, I yeah. think I'm the only black belt from Yarmouth, to my yeah. knowledge, or I hope so. Yeah, state the record. If there's somebody out there that's a black belt from Yarmouth, we must combat. All right, you I'm heard just, it here first. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just joking, but... That was always my goal. I was like, man, I, like, because I was never going to be a world champion or anything like that. But I was like, man, it'd be cool just to be the pioneer of the the South Shore. And I, I think I've done that. So Yeah, man, absolutely. And that kind of leads me to kind of my next question. I mean, you started off in Buddy's living room <laughs> doing the best you could. Mm. I mean, there's no doubt you've seen a ton of changes in the industry from the amount of resources oh, all man. the way, you know, fast, you know, to, what did you say, 2006 you started? Seven. Seven to 2023. I mean, what would be some of the the biggest, more most impactful changes you've seen to the industry since starting as a young man into jiu-jitsu? I think, like, just the, the death, like the variety of, skill levels that are now uh here especially when i started i think there was like two blue belts that i can think of i'm sure there was more but in halifax just in atlanta canada i think atlanta canada so don't quote me there was definitely there was definitely more but i remember going to titans and it was like john gale and uh, josh wincy were like yeah. the first blue belts i knew mm -hmm. and i think kevin and pete were brown belts at the time so again, this is 2007, 8-ish. Um, 
Then you you know you had Shane Rice, who I think was a, would have been a black belt at the time under Hickson, which is really cool. But I don't I don't know when he like moved back home for good, so he wasn't really around for a little bit. So it was always like Kevin Pete, and everybody kind of branched out from there. I think like so many people, if you try trace back to the beginning, had some involvement with Kevin and Peter. So, but now you look today they're still here and they still run a successful gym which is impressive because they've been around so long but now you have so many gyms there's so many black belts there's so many like there's more black belts now than there was probably people doing jujitsu in 2007 that's amazing eh? yeah like i think that's probably a fair comparison now if you just crunch the numbers it may not line up quite like that but i'd say it's pretty close significant yeah, and, and, and then the accessibility to world-class athletes. Um, I think, like, before social media, it might have been scarier to go to, like, Marcelo's or go to Atos or go to these gyms that... So, before, I mean, in 2007, again, I don't even know if those gyms were there. I think Marcelo started in, like, 2009 or 10. But it, it would be intimidating to go to the world-class jiu-jitsu. But now, like, with social media, you see that they're welcoming, and you can just go visit. Hell, you can message them. You don't have to wait three days for an email or call somebody on a phone. Um, so it's just more in your, out there. It's more in your face. It's more accessible. Um, and then videos. Like, YouTube now, for free, is insane the amount of content on there um you can get you could get mg in action in 2011 or 12 ish whenever he started that which was crazy which was marcelo's which, website yeah and like instructionals he, he was competing at adcc while filming all his training and putting it out there and that's badass and um i'll never forget somebody asked him like ain't you worried about your opponents watching your classes and he said no because if they're worried about what i'm doing nobody plays my game better than me yeah. and i'm like that's so gangster but um but then you got you know aoj you got lucas lapri online there's so many resources now and it's insane and if you have the money or you, you want to do it you can fly these people in like how crazy is that you couldn't go play basketball with lebron james or luka Doncic or any of them guys but you could have marcelo for a seminar lucas for a seminar or or you can just go to their gym yeah so i think that's the biggest change and um and because of that people are getting better without even in rural areas, you got resources to learn from the world best pe world's best people. I still think it's super important to go and travel and train with these people or bring them in because, you know, on videos, it's hard to capture some of the finer details. And one thing I learned when I started going to New York in 2015, and that's where I always went to train was Marcelo's, is they would teach a technique and then they're like, we're going to work on this today. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, I already I, I know that. So I thought, but then they show a crucial little detail that changes everything that I didn't understand because I wasn't as good as them guys. And then that one detail changes everything. That's one thing when Lucas comes, he shows like a technique that I'm pretty familiar with. So I think, but he shows one little grip change or one little angle change. And it's just like, what the hell? And that is why that could be the difference between why I get smashed when I try that to somebody really good as opposed to somebody not so good is one little detail. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely true. I mean, even from, <clears throat> you know, my start in jiu-jitsu to today, at my level at Purple Belt, you start to see the real high value on those finite details that you just, like, people will tell you they're important. Yeah. Like, yeah. light blue 
and you know, I'm not like, I guess in, for people that don't know, it's like, oh, well, purple's after blue. It doesn't sound like you're that much advanced, but in terms of mad hours, you start to see those little details and you start, once you start implementing them, you get some incremental additional success. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's uh, and it's awesome. And you guys have definitely did a great job um, implementing that in our training as well. So, you know, instead of just like teaching the drills and then letting people do live sparring after, it's like, no, we're going to do positional and kind of really kind of hammer that in. So you kind of put it in that muscle memory. Yes. I, I think like coming up, it was like positional sparring is really boring because you just want to roll. You just want to mimic a match. You I wanna... say it all the time. Right? Yeah. <laughs> But it's crucial. And, <laughs> and and John Thomas, being under him in the last little bit, has really, you know, beat that into to me, just watching how he trains and yeah. watching how he, like, goes over things and, and just the, the very specific training. And, and he brought up some really good points to why it's beneficial. And I'll never go back. I'm always going to positional change now. Uh, train, sorry. Um, and uh, I think that's crucial. Uh, but again, it's like fuck. I'd rather just roll, but you gotta you gotta break it down, man. You gotta have because you do the. I could teach you a technique at class, and like John made a good point. He's like, so say we do it with cut through pass, and then you just really want to cut through pass, but maybe the whole roll you're on your back, you're not gonna cut through pass. But if we start in a position where I can work to cut through pass, and then we get out of that position and then go right back. I'm going to get way more time trying that technique than if I just regular roll. I could regular roll for a week, you know, six classes a week, and and get 20 seconds in a cut-through pass, potentially, um, or, or five minutes. But if I positional spar, it's very specific, I'll get a lot more time in that. And then if I come into that situation in a tournament, I'm going to be that much better at it. And that was a big thing. I was like, man, okay, yeah, because we'll go over moves like lasso guard or whatever guard, and you don't even get to sniff it and, and train it. And you're like, damn, I just really want to work that. Or you're just trying to force it, and then you get develop bad habits, and right. then your train is not very productive if I'm just like, well, well I, need to, I need to get that lasso guard, and it's just not there. Then what? You're just, you know, John always says, and I love this, take what's available, and uh, jiu-jitsu becomes more fun. It becomes more playful. And I was like, yeah, man, that, that's been the biggest change for me since I come back from my surgery is, is that. Yeah, man, for people that don't know, you just kind of went through a big knee reconstruction. Yeah, man. And you've been out for how long? I had the surgery November 16th, 2021. It's hard to tell with all the... Well, it's just the new year. Yeah, 2021. And then then they said I'd be out 10 to 12 months before I could even roll. And um, I uh, did everything perfect. I listened to my physio. I was able to go to physio three days a week with a really good physio team at Proactive Health and Performance. Warren and Warren Hefford and and Brandon Calvi uh, really took care of me. I was very scared to get surgery. I never had surgery before, never had stitches. Yeah, it is scary. And uh, scared to get put to sleep, scared of everything. And I'll never forget Warren Warren said to me, he goes, dude, I'm going to take care of you. I promise. And uh, did he ever. Did he ever, man. Well, good shout out to Proactive. <laughs> oh, man. they he, He's the secret weapon, man, for the last, since two, I've been seeing him since 2017. 
and he, he's really good and then brandon's awesome too he's physio and and black belt in jiu-jitsu so it was perfect i go see him twice a week and then i go with warren once a week like they have me in there three times a week <coughs> and and i wasn't working my other job and my only job was to get in shape or and be a dad and i had you know when my kids were in daycare i had nine to five to just focus on my rehabilitation uh rehabilitation or whatever rehabilitation i can't talk bro <laughs> this coffee ain't done yet <laughs> um so it was just like hyper focused on that because i was already missing so much time i was like i, I don't want to miss a year from the mats and and at first at first like i i enjoyed the break i was just trying to like take positives away from the mental break of training because i haven't had a break like that since i started i never had more than a few weeks off knock on wood that just means i didn't get badly injured until this mm -hmm. and i was actually playing basketball so basketball man don't play basketball <laughs> shit's dangerous just do jujitsu right but um it's funny how it works though eh? yeah so it was like june june 15th i think it was i remember because it was like like seven just shy one day seven months since my surgery i did my first like regular roll and uh you know i went with my buddy chris mcdonald and he was very nervous for me because he had the same surgery yeah and and me yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh no so so we you know we rolled and then we eased and anyway i i competed it was almost uh sorry chris if you're watching yeah i competed i think it was like just shy like two days to a year or was it two days after a year so it was like a year and two days and i competed first time at black belt and uh i was just really happy to compete because i didn't think i was gonna in that whole calendar year and then i i got my ass whooped um for many reasons the guys down there i went to the states if i could go back i would have done a couple like local ones to kind of ease back into it but i was naive i was like no man i'm gonna just go back to my winning ways like i was before the pandemic and and i was rusty as hell and what tournament was that again it was in the new haven open uh in, in ibgf connecticut i did master one black belt middleweight jt taurus was in my division which was crazy um so already it's like well i guess i'm going for second he's a he's <laughs> don't a sell yourself short, bro. yeah oh no he's <laughs> he, he just went and filmed an instructional on the whole division but uh, I ended up losing to a guy, and uh, the next day I did no gi. I went against the guy who won the Ultimate Fighter 16, I think, uh, Colton Smith, just a crazy good wrestler. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if I could beat these guys, but I think I could do better. I just went out. I was almost too relaxed. I forgot what it was like to fight. It's like I was the rolling. Intensity. Yeah. It was like I was rolling with my buddies. When I went out there, I was just like, I was just happy to be there, which, which was nice. I was a, you come a long way. Yeah, I was happy to be there, but I didn't want it as bad as they did. So I'm very excited to go back and do it again. Um, I wasn't planning on doing another tournament that year, but as soon as I left that venue, I looked at my training partner. I said, I'm competing in two weeks. Like, I have to. I have to. Like, I have to get good at competing again. That shit burned me. So I luckily, there was a black belt division here, which ain't always the case because not many I, people get their black belts and it just seems like they just stop competing for whatever reason maybe it could be it i don't know maybe they're burned out by the time they get their black belt maybe it's an ego thing maybe they just don't want to lose as a, i don't know but luckily there was i think there was four of us and uh i won that one pretty good Sweet. and yeah it's just i just needed to like you win me up 
I needed to, yeah, I needed to win again. I needed to stand on a podium again. I needed to receive a medal again. I needed to get my hand raised. Just these familiar things that I was doing so much prior to COVID. And like I was competing every month, sometimes two or three times in one month, which is a lot for somebody from Atlantic Canada because we have to travel more than the people that live in the States. So I had to get that back. Plus my daughter watched me compete for the first time ever. That was probably one of the coolest jujitsu moment I had so far was uh, having my kid there watching me and in the video you hear go dada <laughs> and that was one of the coolest things so and I was trying to work on some new things too because I was like oh we're under John now and I want to show off this guard stuff I pulled guard in both my matches man I <laughs> the first guy we were playing guard he, he had a nice pass attempt I regarded he gave me some space and it was almost like my mind said F this shit, just just get on top. And I wrestled up, and then the other guy just fell back for an ankle lock, like right away. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm gonna get up and pass these guys. And yeah, yeah. anyway, just to get familiar again, get that feeling back was nice. Joel's the owner, co-owner of uh, Halifax BJJ. Mm -hmm. um, we went a lot through kind of you coming up with jujitsu when that all started. Um, you know, you're big into competing, and I mean, it's been a really sweet process to kind of watch you evolve to with jujitsu being like mm. hardcore with us training 10 classes a week to now becoming a dad to yeah. this whole kind of you know evolution um and you know we've known each other quite a while and you know it's been really admirable to see um but one of the the biggest things was definitely you know when you guys decided to open up Halifax BJJ mm -hmm. can you bring us through kind of when that started to become a discussion an idea and yeah and kind of you know what you were looking to kind of give back to to halifax from kind of your experience because it wasn't easy obviously no. coming up with little resources mm -hmm. um you know what can you tell us about kind of that process like when did that all start yeah so 2017 we opened i think it was like officially october end of october i think yeah with like we had no power we were just training with flashlights and everything was free for october november because we just wanted people to come see us and and you know see what we were about and people are hesitant if they don't know much and then they gotta pay but if it's free they'll try it right but probably you know it kind of happened really fast um we were all few of us were part of another gym and that other gym was great everything was fine I, the biggest thing for us was just when I started going to Marcello's, I just like loved the vibe there. I loved what they were about. And the biggest thing was they were jujitsu only. And they had morning, noon, and night classes, and all classes were well attended. Of course, they're in New York City. There's right. millions Population. of people, tons of people, obviously. But I still thought we could, you know, get a core group of guys to train in the morning because there wasn't really that going on and there was no noon classes and Marcelo's noon classes were huge and people would be showering and going right back to work they just wanted to try and um, the gym we were at we weren't able to do that because there was just so many other programs and they had guys I think they had a guy in the UFC at the time where he's very close and you have to focus on that because you get a guy in the UFC that's huge for your gym so they had to focus on that and uh, we just made a decision to go off on our own and, and try to open up a jiu-jitsu only gym and you know not everybody was pumped about it and that's fair i understand why but you only live once man and we had to try it i just had to try so it was uh josh whalen i put the bug in his ear and he loved the idea the and weapon. 
the weapon. <laughs> and that uh, guy. I'll never forget because he was just so um, ready to do it. And uh, I remember he sent me a location, a Kijiji ad. And I was like, yeah, cool, man. Like, whatever you think. He's like, well, just come see it after work. And when I was done work, I met him there and we looked in the windows. I said, sure, yeah. I can picture people shrimping down that little lane there and picture a gym going in there, a small gym. But you want to start out small. So I'll never get it. It was like two days later. He's like, I'm signing the lease. I'm like, what? Like, why don't we wait till January? He goes, I'll never get it. He's like, if we don't do it now, we're not going to do it. And I was like, he, and he's like, are you in? I said, yep i'm in <laughs> swallow fuck it let's go let's do it okay That's what awesome. have i done <laughs> so he signed the lease man and uh i don't even know if i signed it i think he did and then you know me and him we had a couple people come and help us right away and then uh me and him put up all the money for it and uh yeah that was that we uh were forced to open pretty quick because our current coach found out a little oh, which What's that? Did he ask you guys to leave? Or? No, he. we were planning to talk to him, but somebody kind of let the cat out the bag yeah. and told him. And, you know, they, they thought they were doing a good thing by giving him a heads up as quick as they could, which is fine. It just made us look bad because it came from somebody else. It should have come right. from us. That so was, you didn't get the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, that was my only regret from the whole thing. I felt really bad about that. But well, he couldn't go back and change it. So, you know, I couldn't go back to that gym. So... And I was getting ready to compete. Two weeks later, I had a match for a submission series, and then I had to go to New York to do the New York Open. So I was like, well, shit, I got to train. I had some old judo match from like 2000, or sorry, 93 Canada Games in Yarmouth oh, yeah. in my mom's basement. So that weekend, I borrowed the truck, went down, brought all the mats back, and we were training with iPhone flashlights for, uh, for the next few weeks. And then we got power hooked up, and slowly became a thing and we had to make the schedule and all this and you know we were asking other gym owners for advice and i'll never forget one gym owner our schedule at the time it was like morning morning and, and like two or three it's probably two night classes and then a couple kids classes through the week it wasn't nothing but he's like that schedule's a bit ambitious and like other people said like good luck like paying just every all the bills with just jiu-jitsu i'll never forget that's those. the feedback you're getting well, from yeah, some people loved the idea, but other gym owners just seemed to think it was a little ambitious, mm. or that like you actually think you can run a business with just jujitsu, and we're gonna try. We were the first ones to try, and then the the schedule was ambitious, and again, I think it was like four mornings a week, and then two adult classes each night mm -hmm. with uh, four kids classes a week, and. Uh, yeah man now we got i think over 30 classes a week so how many members did you start with just like if you could say a number when you opened the doors the first month well we didn't take membership but uh but attendees then i'd say we were having like like for the advanced classes or experience classes or whatever i don't even know what we called it back then there's probably like six or seven six to eight and then for people that are watching now how many members do we currently, I say we, but do right, you right, guys right. currently have at the gym? Oh, well, it's we. It's our our gym. Absolutely. Um, I don't know. Like, here's the thing. People sign up, and we don't know if they're coming back. But active memberships, I'd say between three and 400. Amazing. Yeah, so it's insane. So you went from a hope yeah. and wishing that people would come yeah. to six people attending yeah. to over 
three, four hundred members, depending on activity. Yep. And then what would you say your average attendance is per class with your ambitious, overly ambitious schedule? Per <laughs> class, I gotta be I'd say the average is probably probably around seventeen to twenty. It's amazing. I think. If I had to guess. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes we have 30 people, sometimes we have 14, but it's never, I don't think it's ever under 10. I haven't seen single digits in a long time unless it's, uh, personally for me, I like to train lately again in the mornings and there's a few classes, depending on weather and people's schedules, right. you know, life happens. But uh, Well, I know yesterday the bridge was shut down, so a lot of people were late getting yeah, I to was the class. You're right. Yeah, yeah. So... But yeah, man, and, and there's over 30 classes a week. Like, shit, dude. We, we're we always trying to figure out how to better the gym, of course. Like, even just something so little as better showers. Like, we're in the process of upgrading the showers. You did a great job. Steph, Steph killed it, man. He's amazing work, and he's a student. And because of the, the, the gym having such a wide variety of students, we can, you know, uh, the, he, he supports us by training. We support him by doing work for us. That's what it's all about. It's reciprocal, right? Yeah. The biggest is. pull for me, I come from a, a background. I played a lot of hockey, but I've got into more singular kind of activities. And I really didn't put a, a big enough value, I think, on like community. Right. And since I've been with you guys, I mean, it's just amazing the different arrays and types of people. You've got laborers, you've got lawyers, you've got doctors, you've got dentists, you've got realtors, you've got, you know, all kinds of entrepreneurial style. Students, people. grocery baggers, everything, man. And everybody yeah. gets along and nobody cares where you're from on the mats or what you yeah. do. And everybody gets together. I think that's the coolest thing, man, because there's so many people I meet in jiu-jitsu I wouldn't have met. Right. Like, because we have nothing in common other than jujitsu. That's it. And some of my, you know, best friends, we, we try to murder each other on the mats. And, <laughs> but, but you love, love everybody who trains with us. And yeah. it is a community. And, and the other thing, the other, the huge thing why we were so successful, I think, is the, our ability to just welcome people to the team. So I'll never forget, I joke that uh, Carlos Nunez was our biggest free agent pickup ever we yeah joke. love carlos dude so he come from a he's a black belt he's from rio de janeiro one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet one of the happiest friendliest guys you'd ever meet i'll never forget he came to me when we it was probably like a couple months after we opened probably five or six months it was the summer it was the summer of 2018 because we had a summer special he messaged me i want to come check out the gym bro you're more than welcome he, he signs up. We had the two-month special. He bought it. And then um, he trained with us for a little bit. And then I'm like, this guy's a black belt. Like, we should have him teach. Of course. Right? So I approached him. I was like, hey, man, like, when, when the two months is up, like, if you like us and, and you know, we like you and we're a good fit for each other and, and you, you, you want to be a part of this, would you want to teach maybe? And he said, he looked at me, he goes, all I ever wanted was to teach, man. And his old gym, from my understanding, didn't really let him teach. I don't know why. I don't, maybe they had a rule. I don't know. But I was like, I will let anybody teach. I don't need to be the teacher. I don't need to be the coach. I don't want it. I don't even love teaching like most people do. So I'm happy, especially when I'm like getting ready to compete. You got to be about you. Yeah, and I like to like just be a student of the game. Like I don't even want to focus about teaching, but I what I do love is being in somebody else's class and being a part of the the class as a student. 
And then I'm in there mixing and mingling with everybody. White bells, blue bells, purple, don't matter. I'm just you. And and when people refer to me as a coach, I'm just like, I'm, I'm your teammate. I'm your teammate who happened to be crazy enough to do this a little bit longer than you. That's it. I like I don't like to be called professor. I don't like to be called sensei or anything like that. I just I'm just Joel who's done jujitsu for a while. And that's it. And um so with that, we have a lot of teachers. So again, the ambitious schedule would be impossible to maintain if it was just a couple of us. But we have so many teachers, dude. We have so many people join our team. We had Marcus and Edson from Brazil as a brown belt and black belts come and join the team. They teach. Marcus just started running an intro to BJJ program. He's badass. Dude, Marcus is exactly what you picture your yeah. teacher to be Absolutely. when you're thinking about starting jujitsu. Yeah, man. This old Brazilian gangster who's just badass, oh, man. He's beat like the shit out of me so many times, oh, man. And he's he's just the coolest guy. They so tell me what I did wrong, too. Right. You keep doing it. Right. You'd be <laughs> you'd be silly to not use these resources. Like I know there's some people in gyms that like they need to be the guy. They need to be the teacher. There's none of that. There's none of that. There's no head coach. Like, like on our IBJF thing, it says a head coach because you had to. Yeah, yeah. But there's no head instructor at our gym. We are a community. We're all equal. And that's the way I look at it. We're all, even the white belts. Like, we're just, you just can't have white belts teaching because they they're not there yet. But someday, maybe. Yeah, man. I mean, it's been a great experience being a part of the gym. And I, I can't see myself ever being anywhere else i mean maybe if i move somewhere else but i also can't see that happening home but man. pardon me we're home we're home that's <laughs> it man but uh yeah it's amazing the community and you know like you say it's a very flat organization like you know we're all people there we're all doing the same thing we're all yeah. going towards the same direction just be better yeah at our, at our sport at jujitsu yeah and some people some people want to be really good competitors some people just want to come and chill and like do one or two roles, but they want to learn the moves. They want to socialize. They want to, and we, we got something for everybody. Like you don't have to come and work your butt off. Like I was, I always thought this was crazy, like bizarre, like teachers getting mad when their students show up late. Mm. That's fucked up. Like I don't care. Cause like none of us are here. Professional jujitsu guys. Like we all work. We all got bullshit. To deal with with work and family and and everything Absolutely. you shouldn't get anything piled on that from your jujitsu you go there to escape all that crap mm -hmm. so like man i had people that come from other gyms and they'd be like so apologetic they're late and i'm like dude you can come 50 minutes late I, i'm just happy you're here you can leave early you can you don't have to bow to go on the match you can if you want you can wear rainbow colored gi if you want we don't care you're there you're paying me in the gym and the to be there you get what you want out of it if you want to be a high level competitor and you voice that to me i might try to encourage you to do that extra round but if you really don't want to no problem if somebody just wants to come and sit out every role that's fine. Why would I get mad at that? I might be like, oh, like you should jump in. No, nah, man, it's not feel okay. Cool, man. Just take as long as you need. I I never understood. I don't know if it's just people trying to like abuse their authority or whatever. Like it's I don't know. It's, it's just not gonna happen in my gym. Absolutely. If there's if anybody ever gets ridiculed for being late, 
I, I will put an end to that. And it never happened because that's not the culture we have. It's very chill. And it's like, you come and get what you want out of it. I'm going to save this clip for next time I'm sitting out. Taking <laughs> <laughs> You're the only one who gets shit on for sitting out. Right. Well, I talk a lot of shit, too. That's so why. <laughs> oh, man. But switching gears, man, yeah. I mean, it's great. I mean, I was one of those guys that come from another gym that, you know, life happens. You show up a couple minutes late and you're standing there like a kid in the sidelines yeah. waiting for somebody to be like, okay, you can come. No. It's like... Cringe. And I'm paying you for this? Cringe, man. Anyway. Just but, a way to be, I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, you guys made the space and now we're all there. So, you know, mm -hmm. we don't got to worry about that stuff anymore. But more recently, we want to talk about before we let you go, um, not only are you running a successful jiu-jitsu gym with our buddy Josh Whalen, uh, you've also kind of branched out and diversified a little bit and started your own apparel kind yeah. of key brand. Uh, that I've had the pleasure of kind of see culminate and kind of help out a little Helped bit in the out, process, yeah, um, just in some some photo ops and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, where, what was kind of the uh, the start to all that? Like, what kind of directed so, your focus to starting this gi brand? Yeah, just uh, I remember I had this gi made because I, I do all the gear for the gym. Yeah. So I developed some relationships through that, uh, and I realized how to like design stuff and you know even me and you were into selling sneakers for a while right, yeah, so like we were doing the flip in the shoes yeah, yeah and and that was just a hobby for fun and more yeah. so i was and i think you too we were just using the little bit of money we made to buy our own shoes yeah yeah i'm bad for buying <laughs> yeah, same. Shiny stuff. but uh <laughs> but it was really fun to like see what people like what shoes were like the hot ones like that people need it and like what colorways were more valuable than the other and the history of why this particular shoe would sell more because like when you're talking about jordan's like oh he wore this one when he won his first championship so that one's more so man it was just so fun and um I was always a huge fan of hip-hop and stuff, and when I was always going to New York, I, I loved going to Brooklyn and visit the Biggie mural and, and just learning about the history of, of Biggie and stuff. Uh, obviously, the you know selling drugs and stuff wasn't so cool, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I love his music, and I love how he <laughs> still is like alive and well in Brooklyn. The guy's been dead for 20-plus years, and he's still... It's crazy. Anyway. He lives on. Yeah, he lives on. And um, the Kooji sweater he wore i was like oh that's so cool like the colorful sweaters yeah, yeah i see it so i was like man how cool would it be to make a gi that's like uh, inspired by that so i was just messing around on my computer i designed one and then when i got the halifax geese made i asked them i go will you do me a favor and just make one of these i just want to see it <clears throat> so we did and uh i wore it and people were like man that's a sick gi and then i was like well shit okay after like a year i was like i'm gonna do a pre-order and i just did it myself and uh i think i sold 25 and i was like oh shit okay like people like some of the stuff that i like so um after that i was like i might just start a gi brand because there wasn't really any in halifax or atlantic canada other than kent doing his thing but i was like there's room for one more two more whatever there's room. Of cake on the a bunch of people can eat so i was uh rehabbing my knee 
and I had a lot of time because, like I said, my only job for a while was to get in shape and be a dad. And um, I was Adam Pierce. He was just like being nice, like probably just seeing if I didn't want a company and came worked out with me one day. And I was just floating around this idea of starting a gi brand. And he said to me, he's just like, yeah, I always thought about doing that too. And I was like, well, I could use some help. And he's like, done deal. And Adam's been training with us since the beginning. Yeah. Uh, one of the coolest another amazing person that joined our team early on that we were so thankful for very skilled jiu-jitsu guys sick kickboxer like so much experience and he's been a part of the team since day one so i knew he was trustworthy and i knew what he was about and um i said perfect let's do it just floated around a couple names to it's back and forth for a few days and i had already been thinking about it and finesse was already a word that i kind of liked and and it was funny because i said to him i go i have i have something that I, I i think is good but i can't remember what it was and then i was like i think i was playing like nba or something just trying to think uh and i was like oh yeah so i sent it to him he goes yeah i like that and that's just how it kind of became a thing and um we did a few samples and we gave them out and then people were starting to ask about it and then we were giving them to athletes and uh yeah it just happened and and then we did our first order last summer and then we did an order in the fall and we got we're working on our new order for spring spring 2023 so there'll be this tracksuit actually um and new geese and new no geese stuff and yeah, it's just kind of like a passion project. Me and him were both like, I don't even care if we lose a tiny bit of money, but if we get to wear our own shit, that's pretty cool. And yeah, seeing okay. other people. The coolest thing is when I see random pictures of other gyms, like in New Brunswick or wherever, and they're wearing our stuff, and I'm like, that's so cool. Is and it? Yeah. yeah, and this year we actually sponsored our first athlete, uh, Graham Lipford, who I believe is Atlanta Canada's main hope for winning a big title. Um, he's really sick brown belt man. He's going to Euros this Friday. We sponsored him um, So we're proud of that and uh, also we're gonna look to sponsor a couple more guys who are active in the local scene nice. And yeah, that's what it's about man. The more successful we are the more we give give out we've already paid randomly People that bought some of our stuff. I see they're competing and we have you know, we have a little bit extra money in the bank we just pay the registration. We paid for a couple people to do IBGF registration, a couple people to compete locally. We've given out a bunch of gear. Um, so it's not all about like, gimme, gimme, gimme. It's similar to the gym. The gym was very- You took the words right out of my mouth. Right, and, and but to be fair, well, I'm also lucky that I had the gym, me and Josh had very good jobs to back us as well. Mm -hmm. It would have been a lot different if we just quit everything and we relied on the gym to pay everything. We yeah. didn't. We, we both worked full time for the first. He still works full time because his job's too sweet to give up. Right. I don't like my job that much. <laughs> <laughs> and But I love the people I work with. I love my coworkers. And, um, that makes it better. Yes. And they for somehow allow me to pick and choose how much I work, which is insane. So I just work 40% for them and that gives me all kinds of freedom to do all this. But it's nice to know that if the gym ever starts to dwindle down or the brand or whatever, I could just pick up more shifts. So because I have that freedom, the gym doesn't seem like a real job. 
Imagine if I depended on the gym to pay my mortgage and feed my kids. It'd be tight. It'd be tight. There's some you know, starting out anyway. I yes. Not to there'd be there'd be some months like like so we have people that come to us and they're like, man, like you know, shit, shit's come up. I won't be around the gym. I can't afford the train this month. No, no, come train. I'll give you a month. I can do. We can do that if needed. Obviously, there's some people who take advantage of that, yeah. and we we we, we find out eventually. And and but if you're truly we always help when we can you know what i mean so if i depended on every dollar to pay my bills i don't think we could do that but we don't because we still keep the uh the jobs yeah man i mean uh, it just kind of goes right back to to the gym and, and the whole kind of environment there it's like everybody's equal mm -hmm. nobody's like the star of the show everybody gets treated equally fairly if you need help the help's there and it's just great to see like you're kind of implementing that exact style into your kind of brand where yeah mm -hmm. cool you're making a couple bucks selling some cool apparel people are wearing it but at the same time it's just like the gym you're giving back trying you can mm -hmm. and i think that really resonates strongly with people you know when you're looking at building something yeah it can't always be about you yeah i if agree people see through that most I think that's where we have such a strong community is like people realize that you guys are there for the students, there yeah. for your friends, and the same thing goes for your business too. And right. you guys are demonstrating that with you know your sponsorships and the support, yes. you know, locally and, and afar. So yeah, so we we've given out a bunch of stuff. I haven't received a paycheck from Finesse Brand yet, and that's okay. It will come. Um, I pay myself back to my loan that we started, you know, sure. but I haven't received profit yet, but it's just slow playing it because I can afford to do it because of my, my job in the gym and stuff. So I could, I could even work full time and ran a gym and did this and make way more money. But especially having kids, time is something we'll never get back and you can't buy more of. So for me, I'd rather make less money and have more free time. And the beautiful thing about the gym and the brand is like, I do all the financials, financials for the gym and stuff. I can do it whenever I want. I can do it at 11 o'clock at night. I can do it at nine in the morning. I can do it. I can do it whenever I want with my other job, my main job, they tell me where to be and I have to be there. And like, that's the hugest thing about being your own boss, if you will, is that freedom. And you got the same thing with real real estate and stuff, uh, exactly. being a realtor. Like, dude, I wish they would have taught us more of this in school, man. Like, they don't, they don't teach you that. I wish I'm going to teach my kids that. And hopefully yeah, they man. can learn and, and do better than I did at everything that I've tried. But uh, I'm very fortunate in the situation I'm in. I live the life that I'm living today is better than I ever imagined and I'm so happy. I got beautiful kids, I got a beautiful family and the gym's amazing, the team's amazing and it's just it's fun. I manifested a pretty decent life so far. Um and yeah man. It's a, it's been a lot of work. I think a lot of people too don't understand how much work goes into running the gym and the brand. I'm always doing something, but again, I get to do it when I want. So, yeah, man, and two kids. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're a busy guy, and uh, you know, I think this is a great place to maybe wrap it up. We've been going for like 51 minutes. And, yep. You know, I just wanted to let you know um, how proud I am to be your friend. You and too, brother. It's an honor to be an athlete at the gym. Yeah. You'll always have my support. Yes, for everyone there too. 
And I really appreciate you coming on, telling your story, and I hope people yeah, watch it. I hope and so. We'll see you on the mats. We'll hopefully see you all at the gym. That's it. Or buy some buy uh, some finesse brand. This this right jacket's here. coming out. I got a couple coffee stains I've added. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks for having me, man. This is fun. It's a cool setup you have, and uh, I see it. that you have some really interesting guests, and I'm honored to be a part of this. And hope people want to listen to my my story and stuff, and hit me up anytime on Instagram or anything. Hit me up at the gym. I'm there every other day, every day except Sunday. Awesome, man. <laughs> well, let's leave them with a quote from Lucas Lepre. It was one I have always liked. Uh, so for people, you know, just Everything you desire sometimes lies on the other side of your fears. Joel's a great example. You know, talk to Waylon. You just got to get out there, get after it. So mm -hmm. we'll let you guys go. Have a great day. Get out there and do it. Thank you.